Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our daily reading conference call on A Course in Miracles, Original Edition. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles, Original Edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, where if you mouse over the link at top for original edition, you will see the link to read ACIMOE. On that same drop-down menu, there is a link to subscribe to an excellent daily email sent to you by the Course in Miracles Society which contains both the workbook lesson and the text reading for the day. My name is Lemoyne Castle, and this call happens for and with you every weekday morning, Monday through Friday, from about 9.15 to about 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Today we're continuing our reading of Section 4 in the Manuals for Teachers, what are the characteristics of God's teacher with paragraph 18 and the section on generosity. And at the top of the hour, we'll pause for remembrance of our lesson for the day. Uh, Lesson 342, I let forgiveness rest upon all things, for thus, Forgiveness will be given me. Right? And uh, they usually do. I would like to ask Lori, do you have an opening for us this morning? Well, I really will treat this morning. Um, the poem was sent to me from Patricia, or Patricia on our group. And um, it's a prayer of gratitude, she said, about discovering the new experience of forgiveness. She's traveling today, so she couldn't be here to read the poem, but she trusted me with it, so I'm very grateful to share it this morning. She began uh, this prayer with forgiveness reveals there is nothing to forgive. And so here is forgiveness, a prayer of gratitude. Forgiveness, fires are burning, frozen hearts melting, steam rises from falling walls, droplets of love nourish the innocence within, our shadows commune with the light of the world, transparency required with nowhere to hide, forgiveness by the minute, the dosage prescribed. Forgiveness by the minute, the dosage prescribed. Waters rise, unleashing their flow. Forgiveness by the minute, dosing mercy upon us. A river of mercy flooding this mind. One with the river I become. Forgiveness by the minute, baptizing self. One mercy molecule at a time. Carried down these rocky pathways to the open sea of me, forgiveness by the minute, our eternal destiny. I let forgiveness rest upon all things, for thus forgiveness will be given me. Amen. 
And I'm grateful to Patricia for that poem this morning. Amen. That was Whoa. good. Yeah, that was perfect. Thank you. Thank you, Lori. Yes, it was. I'll send her a text how good it was. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Micah. Okay. Well, um, with us this morning and reading, I have Fran, Lori, Harrison, Jessica, Donna, Micah, and Sandra. And with us in listening, I have Wendy and Roz. Is there anyone else who joined the call who would like to read and or just say good morning? Ida's saying good morning. Thank you. Morning, Ida. Just listening? Yes. Okay. Alrighty. Okay. Thinking to back up one if I had enough readers, but on we go. All right, I'll get started here um, with generosity. Paragraph 18. The term generosity has special meaning to the teacher of God. It is not the usual meaning of the word. In fact, it is a meaning that must be learned and learned very carefully. Like all the other attributes of God's teacher, God's teachers, this one rests ultimately on trust, for without trust, no one can be generous in the true sense. To the world, generosity means, quote, giving away in the sense of, quote, giving up. To the teachers of God, it means, quote, giving away in order to keep. This has been emphasized throughout the text and the workbook, but it is perhaps more alien to the thinking of the world than many other ideas in our curriculum. Its greater strangeness lies merely in the obviousness of its reversal of the world's thinking. In the clearest way possible, and at the simplest of levels, the word means the exact opposite to teachers of God and to the world. And, uh, generosity, 18. The term generosity has special meaning to the teacher of God. It is not the usual meaning of the word. In fact, it is a meaning that must be learned and learned very carefully. Like all the other attributes of God's teachers, this one rests ultimately on trust. But without trust, no one can be generous in the true sense. To the world, generosity means, quote, giving away, unquote, in the sense of, quote, giving up, unquote. 
To the teachers, it means giving away in order to keep. This has been emphasized throughout the text and the workbook, but it is perhaps more alien to the thinking of the world than many other ideas in our curriculum. Its greater strangeness lies merely in the obviousness of its reversal of the world's thinking. In the clearest way possible, and at the simplest of levels, the word means the exact opposite to the teachers of God and to the world. 19. The teacher of God is generous out of self-interest. This does not refer, however, to the self the world speaks of. The teacher of God does not want anything he cannot give away because he realizes it would be valueless to him by definition. What could he want it for? He could only lose because of it. He could not gain. Therefore, he does not seek what only he could keep because that is a guarantee of loss. He does not want to suffer. Why should he ensure himself pain? But he does want to keep for himself all things that are of God, and therefore for his son. These are the things that belong to him. These he can give away in true generosity, protecting them forever for himself. Thank you, Fran. And Lori. On generosity, paragraph 19. The teacher of God is generous out of self-interest. This does not refer, however, to the self the world speaks of. The teacher of God does not want anything he cannot give away because he realizes it would be valueless to him by definition. What would he want it for? He could only lose because of it. He could not gain. Therefore, he does not seek what only he could keep because that is a guarantee of loss. He does not want to suffer. Why should he ensure himself pain? But he does want to keep for himself all things that are of God and therefore for his son. These are the things that belong to him. These he can give away in true generosity protecting them forever for himself and patience. Those who are certain of the outcome can afford to wait and wait without anxiety. Patience is natural to the teacher of God. All he sees is a certain outcome at a time perhaps unknown as yet, but not in doubt. The time will be as right as is the answer. And this is true for everything that happens now or in the future. The past as well held no mistakes. Nothing that did not serve to benefit the world as well as him to whom it seemed to happen. Perhaps it was not understood at the time. Even so, the teacher of God is willing to reconsider all his past decisions if they are causing pain to anyone. Patience is natural to those who trust sure of the ultimate interpretation of all things in time, no outcome already seen or has yet to come can cause them fear. Thank you, Lori. And Harrison. Patience. Join me. 
those who are certain of the outcome can afford to wait and wait without anxiety. Patience is natural to the teacher of God. All he sees is certain outcomes at a time perhaps unknown as yet, but not in doubt. The time will be as right as is the answer. And this is true for everything that happens now or in the future. The past as well tells no mistakes. Nothing that did not serve to benefit the world as well as him to whom it seemed to happen. Perhaps it was not understood at the time. Even so, the teacher of God is willing to reconsider all his past decisions if they are causing pain to anyone. Patience is natural to those who trust, sure of the ultimate interpretations of all things in time. No outcome already seen or yet to come can cause them fear. Thank you. Oops. Sorry. My bad. No, that's my my mistake. (laughs) Excuse me, Harrison. (laughs) <laughs> okay, Lamont. I wasn't sure either. <laughs> Faithfulness. 21. The extent of the teacher of God's faithfulness is the measure of his advancement in the curriculum. Does he still select some aspects of his life to bring to his learning while keeping others apart? If so, his advancement is limited and his trust not yet firmly established. Faithfulness is the teacher of God's trust in the word of God to set all things right. Not some, but all. Generally, his faithfulness begins by resting on just some problems, remaining carefully limited for a time. To give up all problems to one answer is to reverse the thinking of the world entirely. And that alone is faithfulness. Nothing but that really deserves the name. Yet, each degree, however small, is worth achieving. Readiness, as the text notes, is not mastery. 
and again, thank you, Harrison. And Jessica. <clears throat> Thanks, Lemoyne. Faithfulness. The extent of the teacher of God's faithfulness is the measure of his advancement in the curriculum. Does he still select some aspects of his life to bring to his learning while keeping others apart? If so, his advancement is limited and his trust not yet firmly established. Faithfulness is the teacher of God's trust in the word of God to set all things right. Not some, but all. Generally, his faithfulness begins by resting on just some problems, remaining carefully limited for a time. To give up all problems to one answer is to reverse the thinking of the world entirely. And that alone is faithfulness. Nothing but that really deserves the name. Yet each degree, however small, is worth achieving. Readiness, as the text notes, is not mastery. 22. True faithfulness, however, does not deviate. Being consistent, it is wholly honest. Being unswerving, it is full of trust. Being based on fearlessness, it is gentle. Being certain, it is joyous, and being confident, it is tolerant. Defenselessness attends it naturally, and joy is its condition. Faithfulness, then, combines in itself the other attributes of God's teacher. It implies acceptance of the word of God and his definition of his son. It is to them that faithfulness in the true sense is always directed. For them it looks, seeking until it finds. And having found, it rests in quiet certainty on that alone to which all faithfulness is due. Thank you, Jessica and Donna. Twenty-two. True faithfulness, however, does not deviate. Being consistent, it is wholly honest. Being unswerving, it is full of trust. Being based on fearlessness, it is gentle. Being certain, it is joyous. And being confident, it is tolerant. Defenselessness attends it naturally, and joy is its condition. Faithfulness, then, combines in itself the other attributes of God's teachers. It implies acceptance of the word of God and his definition of his son. It is to them that faithfulness is the true sense, in the true sense, is always quite quiet certainty on that alone to which all faithfulness is due. Open-mindedness, 23. 
Donna. Yes. Um, would you read the last uh, two sentences of that paragraph again? Yes. Towards them it looks, seeking until it finds, and having found, it rests in quiet certainty on that alone to which all faithfulness is due. Open-mindedness, 23. The centrality of open-mindedness, perhaps the last of the attributes of the teach, attributes the teacher of God acquires, is easily understood when its relation to forgiveness is recognized. Open-mindedness comes with a lack of judgment. As judgment shuts the mind against God's teacher, so open-mindedness invites him to come in. As condemnation judges the Son of God as evil, so open-mindedness permits him to be judged by the voice for God on his behalf. As the projection of guilt upon him would send him to hell, so open-mindedness lets Christ's image be projected on him. Only the open-minded can be at peace, for they alone see reason for it. Thank you, Donna. And Micah. Okay. Uh, Open-mindedness, 23. The centrality of open-mindedness, perhaps the last, perhaps the last of the attributes the teacher of God acquires is easily understood when its relation to forgiveness is recognized. Open-mindedness comes with lack of judgment. As judgment shuts the mind against God's teacher, so open-mindedness invites him to come in. As condemnation judges the Son of God as evil, so open-mindedness permits him to be judged by the voice for God on his behalf. As the projection of guilt upon him would send him to hell, so open-mindedness lets Christ's image be projected on him. Only the open-minded can be at peace, for they alone see reason for it. 24. How do the open-minded forgive? They have let go all things that would prevent forgiveness. They have, in truth, abandoned the world and let it be restored to them in newness and in joy. So glorious, they could never have conceived of such a change. Nothing is now as it was formerly. Nothing but sparkles now, which seemed so dull and lifeless before. And above all, are all things welcoming, for threat is gone. 
No clouds remain to hide the face of Christ. Now is the goal achieved. Forgiveness is the final goal of the curriculum. It paves the way for what goes far beyond all learning. The curriculum makes no effort to exceed its legitimate goal. Forgiveness is its single aim at which all learning ultimately converges. It is indeed enough. Thank you, Micah and Sandra. Open-mindedness, 24. How do the open-minded forgive? They have let go of all things that would prevent forgiveness. They have, in truth, abandoned the world and let it be restored to them in newness and in joy so glorious they could never have conceived of such a change. Nothing is now as it was formerly. Nothing but sparkles now which seemed so dull and lifeless before. And above all are all things welcoming. The threat is gone. No clouds remain to hide the face of Christ. Now is the goal achieved. Forgiveness is the final goal of the curriculum. It paves for what goes far beyond all learning. The curriculum makes no effort to exceed its legitimate goal. Forgiveness is its single aim at which all learning ultimately converges. It is indeed enough. 25. You may have noticed that the list of attributes of God's teachers does not include those things which are the Son of God's inheritance. Terms like love, sinlessness, perfection, knowledge, and eternal truth do not appear in this context. They would be most inappropriate here. What God has given is so far beyond our curriculum that learning but disappears in its presence. Yet while its presence is obscured, focus properly belongs on the curriculum. It is the function of God's teachers to bring true learning to the world. Properly speaking, it is unlearning that they bring. For that, is true learning in the world. It is given to the teachers of God to bring the glad tidings of complete forgiveness to the world. Blessed indeed are they, for they are the bringers of salvation. Amen. Thank you, Sandra. And is is there a new reader who would like to read 25? I will. Well, thank you, Ida. Go ahead. You're welcome. 
It's the last paragraph, right? Yes. Thank you. You may have noticed that the list of attributes of God's teachers does not include things that are the Son of God's inheritance. Terms like love, sinlessness, perfection, knowledge, and eternal truth do not appear in this context. They would be most inappropriate here. What God has given is so far beyond our curriculum that learning but disappears in its presence. Yet while its presence is obscured, the focus properly belongs on the curriculum. It is a function of God's teachers to bring true learning to the world. Properly speaking, it is unlearning that they bring, for that is, quote, true learning in the world. It is given to the teachers of God to bring the glad tidings of complete forgiveness to the world. Blessed indeed are they, for they are the bringers of salvation. Thank you. Thank you, Ida. Okay. The summary without falling in and just reading all the things. Okay, from generosity. The term generosity has special meaning to the teacher of God. It's not the usual meaning of the words. In fact, it is a meaning that must be learned and learned very carefully. Like all the other attributes of God's teachers, this one rests ultimately on trust. For without trust, no one can be generous in the true sense. To the world, generosity means giving away in the sense of giving up. In the clearest way possible, and at the simplest of levels, the word means the exact opposite to the teachers of God and to the world. Teacher of God is generous out of self-interest. Therefore, he does not seek what only he could keep because that is a guarantee of loss. He does not want to suffer. Why should he ensure himself pain? But he does want to keep for himself all things that are of God and therefore for his Son. These are the things that belong to him. These he can give away in true generosity, protecting them forever for himself. Patience. Those who are certain of the outcome can afford to wait and wait without anxiety. Patience is natural to the teacher of God. All he sees is certain outcome at a time perhaps unknown as yet, but not in doubt. The teacher of God is willing to reconsider all his past decisions if they are causing pain to anyone. Patience is natural to those who trust. 
sure of the ultimate interpretation of all things in time, no outcome already seen or yet to come can cause them fear. And faithfulness? The extent of the teacher of God's faithfulness is the measure of his advancement in the curriculum. Does he still select some aspects of his life to bring to his learning while keeping others apart? If so, his advancement is limited and his trust not yet firmly established. Faithfulness is the teacher of God's trust in the word of God to set all things right. Not some, but all. To give up all problems to one answer is to reverse the thinking of the world entirely. And that alone is faithfulness. Nothing but that really deserves the name. Yet each degree, however small, is worth achieving. Readiness is not mastery. True faithfulness, however, does not deviate. <laughs> True faithfulness, however, does not deviate. Being consistent, it is wholly honest. Being unswerving, it is full of trust. Being based on fearlessness, it is gentle. Being certain, it is joyous. And being confident, it is tolerant. Defenselessness attends it naturally and joys its condition. Faithfulness, then, combines in itself the other attributes of God's teacher. It implies acceptance of the Word of God and His definition of His Son. Toward them it looks, seeking until it finds, and having found, it rests in quiet certainty on that alone to which all faithfulness is due. And from open-mindedness, the centrality of open-mindedness, perhaps the last of the attributes the teacher of God acquires, is easily understood when its relation to forgiveness is recognized. Open-mindedness comes with lack of judgment. As judgment shuts the mind against God's teacher, so open-mindedness invites him to come in. Only the open-minded can be at peace, for they alone see reason for it. How do the open-minded forgive? They have let go all things that would prevent forgiveness. They have, in truth, abandoned the world and let it be restored to them in newness and in joy so glorious they could never have conceived of such a change. Nothing is now as it was formerly. Nothing but sparkles now which seem so dull and lifeless before. And above all are all things welcoming, for threat is gone. Now the goal is achieved. Forgiveness is the final goal of the curriculum. It paves the way for what goes 
far beyond learning. The curriculum makes no effort to exceed its legitimate goal. Forgiveness is its single aim at which all learning ultimately converges. It is indeed enough. Read 25 again. You may have noticed that the list of attributes of God's teachers does not include those things which are the Son of God's inheritance. Terms like love, sinlessness, perfection, knowledge, and eternal truth do not appear in this context. They would be most inappropriate here. What God has given is so far beyond our curriculum that learning but disappears in its presence. Yet while its presence is obscured, the focus properly belongs on the curriculum. It is the function of God's teachers to bring true learning to the world. Properly speaking, it is unlearning that they bring, for that is true learning in the world. It is given to the teachers of God to bring the glad tidings of complete forgiveness to the world. Blessed indeed are they, for they are the bringers of salvation. Thank you, Lemoyne. Thank you, Lemoyne. Thank you, Lemoyne. I just joined to everybody. Thanks for the morning. That was a good recap. Thank you. Thank you, Harrison, and welcome, Lana. Thank you, Lemoyne. My usual place to get uh, coffee is being, um, I guess they're doing some kind of renovation, so I've had to go somewhere else, so that's why I'm late, but thanks. Oh, you are welcome. I kind of want to read that last sentence again. Let me read that again. I'm going to modify it and have this be my response to you. Blessed indeed are thee, for thee are the bringers of salvation. That's my thanks to you. And uh, I'm going to turn to you now, friend, for a recap of our daily lessons. Yeah. Thank you. Hi, everybody. We are in the second part of the workbook, and the theme that we are on now is what is a miracle? Uh, Today's lesson is lesson 342. I let forgiveness rest upon all things. For thus forgiveness will be given me. So I shall read some from what is a miracle. A miracle is a correction. It does not create nor really change at all. It merely looks on devastation and reminds the mind that what it sees is false. It undoes error but does not attempt to go beyond perception nor exceed the function of forgiveness. A miracle contains the gift of grace for it is given and received as one. And thus it illustrates the law of truth the world does not obey because it fails entirely to understand its ways. A miracle inverts perception which was upside down before. 
and thus it ends the strange distortions that were manifest. Now is perception open to the truth. Now is forgiveness seen as justified. Forgiveness is the home of miracles. The miracle is taken first on faith because to ask for it implies the mind has been made ready to conceive of what it cannot see and does not understand. Yet faith will bring its witnesses to show that what is rested on is really there. And thus the miracle will justify your faith in it and show it rested on a world more real than what you saw before. A world redeemed from what you thought you saw. We'll go to the lesson. I let forgiveness rest upon all things, for thus forgiveness will be given me. I thank you, Father, for your plan to save me from hell I made. It is not real, and you have given me the means to prove its unreality to me. The key is in my hand, and I have reached the door beyond which lies the end of dreams. I stand before the gate of heaven, wondering if I should enter in and be at home. Let me not wait again today. Let me forgive all things and let creation be as you would have it be and as it is. Let me remember that I am your son and opening the door at last. Forget illusions in the blazing light of truth as memory of you returns to me. Brother, Forgive me now. I come to you to take you home with me. And as we go, the world goes with us on the way. We'll take a moment to reflect on this. Lesson 342. I let forgiveness rest upon all things. For thus forgiveness will be given me. Brother, forgive me now. I come to you to take you home with me. And as we go, the world goes with us on the way to God. Lesson 342. I let forgiveness rest upon all things, for thus forgiveness will be given me. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Fran. Thank you, Fran. Thank you, Fran. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Fran. Fran.
this is Donna. A scripture came to me today. And if you understand the king is our father, I think. It's 45, uh, Psalms 45.1. My heart is in getting a good matter. I speak of the things which I have made touching the king. My tongue is a pen of a ready writer. And I, that scripture's pen, my tongue is a pen of a ready writer. My hand is the pen of a ready writer. And when I, when I listen to the reading, I guess you would call it a recap. I start, <laughs> my hand starts writing. <laughs> so I really can't even take credit for it. But this, um, starting with generosity, I have what perception learned, forgiveness unlearns, all that never really was to realize Christ. And from patience, let me walk knowing, so good to know all I love is, was, always will be, secure, faithfulness, definition of uh, faithfulness, means trust God. And with faith, faithfulness must give up all judgment with trust in God's creation. And, and in paragraph 22, defenselessness is knowing safety is. And what I call the certain six, it implies acceptance of, quote, the word of God. And the note is, the word of God is life. And an open-mindedness, open-mindedness is realizing the Christ consciousness once judgment is surrendered. And 24, the open-minded have eyes to see Christ in all and at the bottom of 24 entering 25 non-judgment eliminates the need of forgiveness and 25 open mind lets us see our inheritance in our brothers letting us walk in that assurance i am complete Oh, that was beautiful, Donna. Thank you. Thank you, Donna. Oh, thank you, thank Donna. you, Donna. Thank you, Donna. This is Ida. Hi. Hope everybody's doing good. I'm feeling better. Um. For all the attributes of God's teachers, what I feel about me is that I need more trust because it seems like when things seem fairly dire, I trust, but not that much until then. Even though I say and I felt that I love God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, there's something there. I don't know what it is, so I have to call it the ego because that's 
the only thing that other thing that the Course teaches us other than that Trinity, basically, um, is something of the ego that, or some kind of fear about trusting that somehow I can't trust. And so I hope that in the future, uh, starting today, I have more trust. And then because of that, since that's the first and most important attribute of God's teachers, I don't worry that much about all the other ones. I know I have some of the other ones too, but but until I get more trust, I can't really... Seems like I can't really increase my share of of the other attributes since they're all based on trust. Thanks, thanks for hearing me. I'm complete. Thank you, Ida. Yeah, nice Thank to you. hear you, Ida. Yeah. Thank you, Ida. I like how you laid your heart open there, Ida. Thank you. You're welcome. Me too. Thank you. Well, if I'm not really honest with you guys, I can't... I'm not really being honest with myself, and I can't really stand not being honest with myself. Thank you. I'm complete. This is Micah. In the um, in the text reading, let me see if I can get there real quick. This line here seems to tie in in a beautiful way for me to the lesson and uh, to what is a miracle. Uh, it's in paragraph 21. To give all problems to one answer is to reverse the thinking of the world entirely. And right away when that was read, uh, the thoughts went to, or the lens of awareness kind of shifted in the direction of realizing this was a dream. And that the mind is cause. I'm not sure how many words I want to put to that. (laughs) But anyway... It, it ties into uh, here in the lesson where it says, Jesus is saying, I thank you, Father, for your plan to save me from the hell I made. It is not real. And you have given me the means to prove its unreality to me. The key is in my hand, and I have reached the door beyond which lies the end of dreams. And it's this lifting out of a body identification and a story and a dream into realizing experientially that I am cause, that I am mind. And then a little bit further in that paragraph, he says, let me remember that I am your son 
and opening the door at last, forget illusions in the blazing light of truth, as memory of you returns to me. And, and as we turn our awareness, or as I turn my awareness towards the, the presence of mind, and depending on the, the degree and the length of time that, that that's being focused upon, there's literally the shift in, into feeling mind as self. Um, what Eckhart Tolle calls space consciousness. And um, let's see, in, in what is a miracle, um, see, each lily of forgiveness offers all the world the silent miracle of love. And each is laid before the word of God upon the universal altar to creator and creation in the light of perfect purity and endless joy. This, this mind is uh, unified and it's a mind one with God that we share and it holds holographic, holographically this, this dimension of time-space. And I know you. I keep saying the same thing. Kind of Rumi said that too. He said, "I keep saying the same thing." Um, uh, but it's all this consciousness dancing like in the dream at night. And then, um, let's see. The miracle is taken first on faith because to ask for it implies the mind has been made ready to conceive of what it cannot see and does not understand. And that just that felt so good because that's generally where I'm at. Is I don't I, there's so much I don't see and do not understand about the truth of what I am. Let's see. Yet I don't know where I want to end here, but yet faith will bring its witnesses to show that what it rested on is really there, and thus the miracle will justify your faith in it and show it rested. Oh, this part here. I love how everything folds back over into space-time, and and he integrates both. He never negates the dream, and and the dream becomes transformed as we move into cause, cause and effect are one. So this this end part is uh, I really appreciated it, and faith will bring its witnesses. Wait, and and thus the miracle will justify your faith in it and show it rested on a world more real than what you saw before, a world redeemed from what you thought you saw. And uh, miracles fall like drops of healing rain from heaven on a dry and dusty world. And, uh, and now everywhere the signs of life spring up and show that what is born can never die and what has life has immortality. Um, Anyway, thanks. I'm done. Uh Thanks. Very, very lovely. Thank you, Micah. Thank you, Micah. That was fun, Micah. Thanks. You betcha. Thank you, Micah. Very nice. Thank you. Good morning. This is Sandra. I let forgiveness rest upon all things for thus forgiveness will be given me 
and um, forgiveness for me is is the bridge that allows spirit to include form because um, form, which is the body and all this planet Earth, it represents contrast and rightfully so, I guess. Um, But it's temporal. It doesn't last. And I'm told that I am not form, I am spirit. And that spirit is eternal and immortal. So in order for me to bridge that that gap, I have to be able, I have to be willing to forgive. And that willingness to forgive um, is guaranteeing that I will be forgiven. It's um, and I can't I can't forgive unless I have these attributes. These are these are required in order for me to re- to forgive is generosity and generosity is based on self-interest it's like i i you know i i can only when i give something away i know i have it and if i want to be forgiven i got to give forgiveness away um patience with myself and others in in order to be able to forgive have to have patience, faithfulness. Uh, that when I forgive, I have faith that all my needs as a physical uh, being will be met, because I am having uh, a dual experience in the sense that I am experiencing a body, but I'm but my identity is with. Spirit, and so I, I, in order for me to imbue the body with spirit, I need to know how to forgive, and I have to have faith that even even when I do that, and it may look like my needs might not be met if I forgive, that my needs will be met, my the physical needs, the needs for connection the needs for affection and open-mindedness. It's, I, I can't judge. If I'm going to judge, it, um, I'm not aligned with the Word of God or forgiveness. So um, forgiveness creates unity in a world full of contrast. I'm complete. Oh, I'm done with that. Thanks, Sandra. Yeah, thank you, Sandra. Oh, thank you, Sandra. That was great. Uh, this is Lana. And, um, yeah, just reflecting on Micah's and your share, um, uh, Sandra, I, it brought to mind, um, and, I, and I was just trying to find it, and I can't, but it was, it's where Jesus defines mind as the activating agent of spirit so um when i think of when i think of that or when i you know contemplate that it's like my mind it it really demonstrates how the mind um through its choice act 
actually activates the Holy Spirit, you know, within us. Who is us? It's, it's our spirit. It's our Holy Spirit. And, um, and it's just so beautifully uh, connected because um, it falls in line with the choose once again, you know. I mind. My mind, I can point my awareness wherever I want it. Even if I'm deeply in despair, I can notice, you know, it's, it's like taking the observer point of view and watching my mind. I don't watch my ego, but I watch my mind. And if it is not in peace, I just point my awareness or um, I point my mind back to truth. Um, in the present moment, I make that choice. That activates the Holy Spirit, and then, um, and then where we were reading, uh, what is the Holy Spirit through the lesson book? It says the Holy Spirit mediates between illusions and the truth, as He must bridge the gap between reality and dreams. Perception leads to knowledge through the grace that God has given him to be his gift to everyone who turns to him for truth. Um, so uh, it being the, the bridge, you know, it's like making the choice, the mind making the choice for spirit is bridging the gap or the perceived gap between God and and myself, um, reminding me that there is no gap. Um, Holy Spirit uh, heals that perceived gap. And the only thing I have to do is choose it. Um, I, I choose the truth, and boom, I activate my Holy Spirit. <laughs> it's, it's just a... Um, a simple way, and boy, do I need simplicity. <laughs> uh, what's Jesus say? Since simplicity is difficult for twisted minds, I think he had me in mind when he wrote those words. <laughs> and, um, you know, so anyhow, uh, Mike and Sandra, your, your shares just brought that to mind, and I felt guided to share it. So thank you. Thanks, Lana. This is oh. Holy School. <laughs> I'm in Holy Spirit thank you. School. <laughs> yeah, that was wonderful. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Lana. That was beautiful. It's Chris in a forgiven state of mind listening. Hi, Yogi Chris. Yeah, morning, Welcome, Chris. Chris. Thank you. On that note, is there anyone else who's joined us who would like to say good morning? So this is Joe, and good morning, everyone. And I'm listening. Thank you. Good morning, Joe. Good morning, Lori. Thank you. I don't think I said yeah, welcome. Yet. Hi, everybody. Morning, Judy. Hi, Hi, Judy. I love everybody's share, so, and I'll say it again. I love this book. I love this reading. 
and I love um, you for bringing it. And um, thank you, Fran, for doing the daily exercise. And love hearing all your voices every morning. Um, I'm just going to share pretty much, you know, what has already been said, um, focusing on perception stands corrected in his, with the capital H, his sight, and what was meant to curse has come to bless. That um, a miracle is taken, I, I accept it. I accept that atonement is within me, that perfect love is within me, and that the Holy Spirit is the means of correcting all my perceptions. That all thought was, here this weird thing come up, um, appeared to me this morning in my morning meditation, and it, and it, and it was this simple. It says, it is only its own projection that thought experiences. So all the thinking of the world, all the thoughts that we've ever had from the past, all the world's teaching is what we're projecting onto ourselves, onto each other, and onto the world. Okay, ergo, here we go. Um, the Holy Spirit is the means to help me to see what I've made invisible by making visible to me what is nothing or meaningless. Therefore, a dream. Somebody's not on mute. Anyhow, um, ergo, the 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 word the word dream or illusion, um, seen through perception rather than through vision, and the idea that um can accept this. I can accept this, you know, as a bunch of words. It's true. God says so. I accept it. But how do I experience something much greater than thought can imagine that's beyond thought, beyond making images, beyond words and symbols, beyond definition, beyond dimension, beyond form, formless, dimensionless, boundaryless, limitless, um, eternal, always here and now, unchangeable, constant. And that being reality, how can I know that? Something that is unknowable. Not by anything I know. <laughs> Not with the mind is what I'm saying. <laughs> Anything I can imagine within my own mind, it's just more of the mind. And more words, more symbols, more images. I can say the word God, but it's not God. It's not the experience of God. But the book says I can, I can know the unknowable as myself. Now, how do we do that except by, from, from my experience, by being it? Being in the totality, the wholeness of the oneness. I can be one without anything in between, with anything, 
with my breakfast, with the flower, with the cloud, with the moon, in my actual experience of knowing it. I know it simply by seeing it, experiencing it through, through sight, without anybody in between. There's no mind or thought or image or word or, or definition between me and my experience of everything I'm experiencing. And that is to have no self. There's no self in between to separate me from anything else. So it's hard, it's hard to understand um, unless you've experienced it. And it's impossible to put into words what oneness is, what wholeness is, because wholeness is, by definition, undivisible. It's indivisible. You can't divide it into parts. So the experiencing of it can be experienced if you touch something to simply recognize that the feeling is not between two things. It is one and the same. And it's that simple. Are you letting it run its thing or are you moving it around? I, I was trying to get it going gentle, but it was so well. Oh, I thought you were talking to me, Steve. Never mind. I've talked long enough. I'd love to hear everyone share. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. That was very Thanks, uplifting. Judy. Yes. Thank you, Judy, for that share. Thanks, Hi, Judy. This, this is Chris. Oh, go ahead, Chris. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I love the lesson for today and its application of it is of utmost importance to me, especially at this time. I won't mention the reasons why. I think everyone knows what I mean, especially at this time. Um, I had a an opportunity to look at something compassionately when a, a friend, a loved one, sent me a text and that's what to me forgiveness really helps me to prevent um, a, a potential non-forgiving tennis match between me and a loved one and the prevention of hitting that ball back to that loved one so for me is looking at any remaining in that love that's within me and just watching for any opportunities for giving over a grievance for remaining in the love that I'm in and seeing it in a more loving way and what I what I what I was guided to do in a kind and compassionate way is say t to this loved one, what I understand you saying is this, and I'm sorry you're seeing it that way. It's not how I'm seeing it or my intention. Please pardon me. Um, 
And of course, after those prefaces, I said what I lovingly said what I needed to say. And to me, that's, that's the key to happiness, to joining in relationships. Um, I feel in my mind that forgiveness keeps me happy and compassionate and not simmering in resentments or grievances, especially during, again, during these times, especially when I receive a text that's a potential for conflict in a relationship. And it continues fostering the feelings of peace and contentment that I want to maintain. And of course, as I maintain it, it extends outward, creating more of that in my life. I'm keeping it simple. Thank you. I'm complete. Great share. That was was great. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Chris. Thank thank you, Chris. Really brought home some of my own experiences. Thank you. This is Joe. I just this is Sandra again. I just wanted to bring Judy back on. Um, I was so enjoying your share, and I have a question: Is uh, do you experience that consistently, or or is it still, um, you know, you experience ninety percent of the time, and then there's still that ego pops up? I'm just curious. I'm complete. Sandra, thank you for that question. I, um, I've come to re- realize um, that it's always here, it's always now, and that I can, I can simply just make my own personal thoughts the focus of my attention, and it veils over it. So it's in, it, it's in, 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 in total self-abandonment, you know, due to you know, really, you're going to do this to yourself again? Because Jude's the misery maker. She's the separate inside self that makes things outside of her and other than her oneness and her wholeness and her totality and, 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 and her unicity and her peace and love with everything. When she recognizes again her, her um, wholeness and oneness in God, and it's it's in, um, I'll tell you, it's, it's, it's really a matter of attending to what kingdom shall I rule today. I am the kingdom of God. And I have to value that more than anything that Judy can give any value to. And herein lies the, um, the idea of generosity and what I value to give because what I give, I receive, and that is the magnitude, the magnifold of giving all to all, getting and receiving all in all, from all in all. And the difference between that, that knowledge, that self-knowledge, and the, um, or the, you know, the petty little um, vanities of my ego, which I, I could, I've clear, clearly seen over and over, and it's like, what, Good, good is my thinking in hostage to this small and petty, selfish, self-centered um, 
way of thinking. Um, what am I going to get out of this? How am I going to look? You know, how's, how, how it's just going to, how am I going to gain by this? You know, that there's, there's no gain and loss. There's, there's no sacrifice. How all these things have come to uh, uh, an understanding of the truth and how it operates. And it's always now. It's always, it's always now. It's always present. It's always available. You know, like Lana said, the truth, I'm, I'm swimming in a sea of grace. It's all true, all here right now. God is in everything, as everything in his totality. And only Judy can limit her, her um, awareness of, to that totality. I can pick something out, and that's what judgment evaluation is. I pick something out, and I make it more important. I make one little thing, like a dish full of, a thing full of dishes, more important than the totality of my awareness of who I am in truth. And I'm going to let my dishes upset me, which is something I can still do, but I can see the absurdity in the, the slice and dice of the thought. Any thought can separate me from myself. Any single thought. That thought inherently is an activity of the, the ego mind that separates, divides, judges, evaluates, and... You can't judge or divide or separate totality. It's either whole in one or it's not. And the Course stresses that over and over. To, ju- to judge part of it as, as unacceptable or I, I don't like this, um, I reject this, is to, to, to reject the totality of, the, of my awareness of my reality. You can't slice and dice it up. So... To love all of it or love none of it, to accept all of it or accept none of it, you know, the, the totality is the, is the big kahuna. That's where God is. And to keep God as an ultra, you know, ascendant, his ascendancy in my mind is, and put nothing before him, to not make a single thought I could possibly have um, before him is to keep my sanity, <laughs> It's to keep my joy, It's to keep my peace, because it puts everything in relativity in, in, in its proper um, proportion and, and relativity to it, to it. You see? And to see, we don't see that with the body's eyes. That's something we see with our heart and accept it. I can only receive as much of the kingdom of God as I, I accept, and I have to accept all of it in its totality in order to receive it as my reality. So this is the importance of my um, practice, that I would m- not make anything more important or more valuable than that. Um, so I'm not beamed up yet, Sandra. I'm still here with you. And I love the way miracles are with and for each other in time because they undo. I can help undo uh, misperceptions in others in order, even without their awareness of it in order to, to purify the perception of the whole of the sonship because we all got to go together or not at all. That's what it says, so... That's what I take. I'm taking home 
and keeping home within me today. Thank you all. I'm complete. Thank you. That was a great share. None of us are quite beamed up yet, but we're all in this together, mighty companions. Mm. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you, Judy, and thank you, Sandra. Hi, it's Lana. Um, Boy, that was a powerful dialogue between you two. I really appreciated it. It, I uh, brought to mind a couple things. Um, And uh, one of them is, you know, this thing about am I always at peace? And always, uh, from an ego perspective, um, is what I call time traveling. (laughs) Uh, Because as Judy mentioned, you know, there's only now. So the only thing I focus on is how to, what am I experiencing now? Um, It makes no difference about the future because if if I'm not healed and present um, and aligned with truth and God now, then I can't tell what, you know, if I look back in my past, what value is there other than that's that is one way I can look and see um, my growth, my learning, um, my peace. Uh, but uh, for the most part, uh, the only time I think about or engage in is now, because that's where I find it. That's where I find it. And and um, also the other thing was that. Um, when I'm look when I'm not at peace, and when I'm and if it's be- whether it's between something happening in the world, or a friend, or or a family member, or whatever, I have to remind myself that if I'm not at peace, I'm not seeing them. What I'm seeing are my thoughts about them, and my thoughts are what is what is upsetting me. Um, but of course, uh, the ego thought system wants to project my fearful, anger, sad thoughts onto somebody else. It wants to get rid of it. So it it hides from my awareness where the source of the problem is, which is my mind. And um, you know, and all this debate about the world being real or or not real, or uh, I don't even go there. Because when I look at the world, again, I ask myself, what am I seeing? Am I seeing heaven or am I seeing my thoughts about the world and mistaking them and mistaking the world for my thoughts about the world? And, uh, and when I ask myself that question, it stops me in my tracks, you know, and it turns my attention and my focus and my awareness inward Um, and that's where the healing happens you know it's not anything to do with the world it's not anything to do with my brother it's about vision it's about my vision or lack of vision so and um, like Jesus says uh, our human sight is he says you're not you're not uh, I forget that line, but anywhere, anyway, he says, um, you're not seeing it all. 
you know, without a healed mind, you're not seeing anything other than your fearful thoughts about whatever uh, the object of your, you think your frustration is. So anyhow, I, I, would, I just um, wanted to share that because it's, it's very helpful for me to stay present and also to look at my thoughts rather than the world or the person, um, the source. I'm complete. Thank you. Thank you, Lana. Wow. Thank you, Lana. That was great. Thank you, Lana. Thank you, Lana. <laughs> no, I really, Thank you. I, I, I just really understand that thought. That thought sees its own projection. That's how this dream is dreamed. It's like, and the power of the mind that thinks these thoughts is, and to look at the world in its totality and understand that I am a woman. I am a a man, I'm a human being in this world that thought this world up. And to recognize the totality of that thinking as the ego mind and say, you know, this is as far as thought got us. Look at it. Look at its insanity. Because that's what the Course teaches us. Look at the totality of what the ego has made, not just bits and pieces of it, and judge it. And, and and don't not look at the news because it, does, it makes your peace disturbed. Look at the news and recognize what the thinking ego mind has created because it has created this world. And to, to, <laughs> to deny the denial of truth, the denial of the truth is this world. And to deny this world is to deny the denial of truth. We can't see the truth. We can't see reality. The Course teaches us that. It's beyond words, symbols, images. It can't be seen with the mind or the body. It's beyond it. So I'm, I'm thinking the big kahuna today. Thank, thank you again for being, bringing me a place to share. Thanks, Judy. Yeah, thank you, Judy. Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Judy. You know, I so love the word beyond in the book. And um, one thought that I hold very dear is disappearing into the heart and mind of God, which is altogether too many words <laughs> joy and love to you all and this is Donna <clears throat> once I begin to understand about the word believes and understand that through our perception we believe in something or we don't believe in something and once I begin to understand yeah I look like a human being but I still have the creative power of God, but at the, in the dream level, it's can only, we only can basically miscreate with it. So once I realized that, like uh, was said before, we see what 
we put out there. The only reason the dream is still here is because there are millions of people who look out and believe in what they see. The beautiful thing that the Course, and I'm finding the Course of Love does as well, builds on what I learned from Dr. Hora. What I'm coming to understand is once you know, it doesn't matter what you see out there because you know that you're here to undo that. And the only way you can undo that, I'm speaking of you as me, the only way you can undo that is by letting the Holy Spirit and Jesus work through you so your perception is so healed that it's no longer required, then you don't look out and judge what you see. If you look out there with the eyes of Christ, then, then it fades. It's still there. It still can be beautiful. And you walk among your brothers because that's the only reason we remain here is to be the light and to love them. I had a beautiful experience, which I'm going to quickly share. So I was walking back from our building, and the thought came to me, and I'd love to see the three people, the twins and the girl, her name happens to be Donna, who I have seen as such enemies because of the smoking for two solid years. But I did begin to pray for them, and everything changed. But I thought, I'd love to see them and thank them for being Santa Claus and bringing Christmas onto this compound because Donna's place has a beautiful tree and the, the twin who formerly lived, who lived here first has just so many Christmas tree decorations blew me away. And the, I thought the three were in the truck, but only the two were in the truck. And I flagged them down and I went over and told them how grateful I was that they were Santa's helper and brought Christmas to this place. So this is the power we have knowing who we are. I am complete. Thank you, Donna. Thank you, Donna. Thank you, Donna. Oh, thank you, Donna. Good morning. This is Steve. Morning, Steve. Good morning, Steve. Hey, good morning. Hi, Steve. Hi. I'm feeling good. I hope everybody is also. Uh, I, I mean, feeling in touch with peace. And I, this morning I posted this thing on Facebook from Max Planck, and then I looked at it afterwards, and I go, well, that's possible. I'll read it to you. Max Planck was, I think, a famous physicist. He said, I regard consciousness as fundamental. I regard matter as derivative from consciousness. And with the course, this this fits in like matter is the world and consciousness is the spirits, I think. But we cannot get behind consciousness. Everything that we talk about, everything that we regard as existing postulates consciousness. And I'm thinking that... Here I am with this body that was born and this mind with its nerves and its thinking process. Here I am 
and I cannot really know anything except what is right now. And what is right now is my brain and my body and my nerves and my learning and my perceptions. And for me, it's possible to feel peace with this body, mind, thoughts, images. And this is all I can really know. So I have no idea that I posted about consciousness without my body because that's not what's happening. And I'm interested in the reality of fulfillment, peace, health, and bliss right now in this life now. So I can't escape what is, and nor do I want to. So for me to set up a entity called consciousness in my thinking, there's no escaping the reality of my body, mind, and thoughts. And it can be wonderful, or it can be hellish. It can be fearful and it can be secure and safe. And that is my wish for everyone, to be experiencing what is. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Steve. That was beautiful. And, and the yeah, only way, it was thank on my Steve. mind because I can't just talk like this with anybody. But I know you all are on the same path as, you know, this is a place where I can speak my mind. Thank you again, and I'm complete. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Thank you Steve. Steve. Well, thank That's you, Steve. A- the way the Course talks about the end of concepts, the end of thinking, the, um, you know, making God into a concept or consciousness into a concept, um, is, is to try and escape um, by practicing um, peace in, in meditation. The Course describes as a truth and not true peace. But to know it and be it, it's the only way. To know it and be it in the eternal in the eternity of now. It's always changeless. And it's not a state. It's it's a way of being. Thank you, Steve. Okay. Thank you, Judy. I think the manual, a little further on, the manual says that method works, but it takes a long time in the cave. <laughs> and uh, I think this course points at the, the thing of engagement with life and it's very central in the course of love, the idea that, that uh, you know, the confidence 
that's part of full trust and open-mindedness and patience and allows it to be and be expressed is found in engagement with life. So, um, I think just the exercise, even if it doesn't seem to go well, just the exercise of making the attempt to reach out to those who where there is some judgment holding a gap existing between us and the other, the quote-unquote other, um, is certainly a learning opportunity and it may be a, a real breakthrough into a, a, a joining because um, it is the relationship. It is the relationship that all things are in relationship um, held there within the miracle of creation that it is one forever that is where you know things like the the certainty arises for the single answer And, yeah, there's one paragraph I wanted to bring, um, which is one of my favorite paragraphs, and it speaks all about patience. And it starts, it's uh, from uh, Chapter 5, Time and Eternity, Paragraph 81, mm-hmm. Chapter 5. Your patience with each other, uh, well, first, let me just also say... <laughs> This is something I've had to return to again and again. I should have maybe returned to it more often as a facilitator, but maybe it's beginning to sink in. Here, I'll read the paragraph now. Your patience with each other is your patience with yourself. Is not a child of God worth patience? I have shown you infinite patience because my will is that of our Father from whom I learned of infinite patience. His voice was in me as it is in you speaking for patience towards the Sonship in the name of its Creator. What you need to learn now is that only infinite patience can produce immediate effects. This is the way in which time is exchanged for eternity. Infinite patience calls upon infinite love, and by producing results now, it renders time unnecessary. And it's unspoken in there, but I think infinite patience has no regard for time or space, and infinite patience is at least a willingness (laughs) To, to accept or let forgiveness rest upon all things. And uh, so I return again and say, our patience with each other is our patience with ourselves. And, uh, yeah, that's just what I wanted to bring. And, Lori, do you have a, a close you'd like to offer? 
Oh, boy. <laughs> I do, actually. Uh, this is from the gifts of God. And I bring it today because all of these gifts that we've talked about here today and yesterday are um, the effortless fruits of uh, accepting our natural inheritance. And um, Helen brought this forward. I'll try to read it without too much emotions because it, it clarifies so perfectly that all these gifts um, are more than our natural inheritance. They are our capitalist self. And they await um, they await exploration of our treasure. It's as easy as um, as forgiveness to the ego. It's impossible, but by the force of the Holy Spirit, holiness itself, um, release of everything that's not true will restore everything to its natural order. She wrote of the Father's love. There is a secret place in everyone in which God's gifts are laid and his to him. It is not secret to the eyes of Christ. He sees it plainly and unceasingly. Yet it is hidden to the body's eyes and to those still invested in the world and caring for the petty gifts it gives, esteeming them and thinking they are real. Illusion's gifts will hide the secret place where God is clear as day and Christ with him. Oh, let this not be secret to the world so full of sorrow. And so racked with pain, you could relieve its grief and heal its pain and let the peace of God envelop it as does a mother rock a child, tired child until it sighs and slips away to rest. Oh, be at peace, beloved of the Lord. What is your life but gratitude to him who loves you with an everlasting love? What is your purpose here but to recall into his loving arms the son he loves who has forgotten who his father is. What is your only goal, your only hope, your only need, the only thing you want, but to allow the secret place of peace to burst upon the world in all its joy and let the voice within it speak of him whose love shines out and in and in between through all the darkened places to embrace all living things within its golden peace. This secret place holds all the gifts of God. And when I release my ideas about what it is, it bursts into flame. Oh, let this secret place be opened. Amen. Oh, thank you, Lori. Thank you, Lori. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lori. Thank you. 
Thank you, Lori. Lori, that was so beautiful. So beautiful. So touching. Thank you so much. Love you guys. 